listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. You had a question that you sent in during our Easter poll, and the question was, hey, pastor, what about the role of the Holy Spirit. I think today is really going to help you. Uh, I grew up, like maybe many of you in the room, in Western Michigan especially, in a denominational background, very conservative, and we were taught that anything about the Holy Spirit, you know, God's power today, He speaks today, that He heals today, that His gifts are active today— Anytime that we would hear those type of things, it it was like, this is not God. We were taught against the Holy Spirit. In fact, I I thought the Holy Spirit was a bird. Anybody else think that when you're growing up? Like, I don't know, part of God's a bird, so he wants to do it, whatever, you know? And and I was along for the ride, uh, but here's the idea. I fell away from that church, and there's a reason. The Bible says that there is a form of godliness, but it denies the power therein. And it says, from such turn away. And that's something Christians should do. But on the other end, it's also just almost prophetic. Like, you will turn away from an empty, dead religion, not no activity. God's not moving in their midst. You'll fall out of interest with that group. And, and the idea being that God has more. And so that, that church that I, I love those people to this day, and I go back there, but there's still like less than 10 people in a 100-seat auditorium, and, and the whole idea is there's no power there. Well, when I was 17, I followed a girl to church, and it was a Saturday night, June 4th, 2004, coming up on 20 years uh, this next month, and I walked into this church, and it was completely different. When I was dropped off, uh, I was being dropped off by my dad and my stepmother and her mother. And I liked her fine, got along with her fine, but they were dropping me off at church that night. And uh, I remember opening up dad's 94 Mercury Villager, hello, and the door opened and I got out and, uh, and my step-grandma or whatever said, you'll be rolling in the aisleways. And I was like, uh? And the van door's closing on her when she says that. <laughs> kind of scary. And so I went into this church and Here's the idea. I mean, we were taught that drums were of the devil and uh, you know, just wild stuff. And some of you are laughing at this like, what? Some of you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. And so as I went in here uh, to this church, I was blown away by how there were people talking with other Christians. Because really, we were just like trying to get in, find our pew, sit down, and like, leave me alone. I got to get through this thing, you know? In fact, my grandparents, we sat at the back. So when the altar call started, we started getting our stuff together. Like, we got to get out of here. My grandparents smoked too. And so, uh, anyway, <clears throat> that's what all good Baptists do smoke behind the church afterwards. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so uh, I'm at this church, and there's people talking with one another and sharing and laughing and reading the Bible and praying for each other. And I'm like, what's happening? And I feel like I'm in a Kirk Cameron movie or something. And, and I go into the auditorium, and they're worshiping. Now, that, they have their hands in the air. And at the church I grew up in, if you had your hands in the air, George Jenkins, who was our deacon, he would have taken a rubber band, snapped your hand, with your, get your hands down. You know, we were very conservative. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with conservative worship. But the idea is anything that was spirited, God's spirit, powerful, we ran. I was taken with it, really. I rededicated my life to Christ that night and engaged a relationship with God, but all of God. 
Not just the part that was convenient or easy for me to understand. It was God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This, this church preached a full gospel, is what you might say, talking about the power of God. There was a lady there, a very special woman named Cheryl, who helped disciple me. And, and it was with her that I, I began my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is key. It's maybe the key to unlocking a vibrant Christian life. You need it. You need a relationship with God, but, but with his spirit. Now, I was on fire for God. In fact, I had a full-ride scholarship to Kendall College. It was going to be legacy. My dad went there and taught there. My grandpa taught there. I was going to be a designer, an architect. I also had a big scholarship to Central Michigan to be drum major. I was excited about all of that, when the Holy Spirit came into my life and I rededicated, I knew what I had to do. And it's not the same for everybody, but I knew I needed to go and be in the ministry. I needed to run off and join the circus. And so I did. And I went down to my Bible college. And, and understand, I grew up in this denominational background my whole life. I had been in a spirited church for a little bit of time. But uh, by the time I went down to this Bible college, they were of more classic Holy Spirit traditions. And so in our first exaltation, it's kind of like a chapel service at uh, Bible College. Everybody's worshiping the Lord. And I look out of the corner of my eye, and some guy's running. And this is at a time where people are shooting up churches and stuff. And so I'm like, no, not on my watch. I clothesline the guy. Boom! Knock him on his butt during the middle of worship. He falls to the ground. All of a sudden, the ushers, which were like Gestapo at my Bible college, came and rushed me. Me! I'm like, I just saved the day, everybody. Well, I didn't know that like some church's tradition was they'd get to running around the sanctuary and stuff like that. Hey, it's on you. If you get clotheslined at New Chapel, that's on you. But Because uh, there are guys that would take you on, but uh, right there. And so um, idea being, you know, actually right there as well. In fact, I could probably keep pointing, but uh, I clotheslined this guy, falls down, and it's a completely different experience. I actually was very turned off by my Bible college. I actually left my Bible college, went and became an intern for like a year or so. God told me to go back. That was a whole thing. But, but the idea is I graduated. But like the idea is I was turned off. They were so crazy and loony about things. And some of the things that they would say was just such Christianese. I'm thinking, I know why nobody wants to come here. You're nuts. This is crazy. There was one lady that we'd all be praying. She'd be purring like a cat. And I'm like, ew. You know, I don't like real cats much less the spiritual gift of cat or whatever you are, ninja, samurai. That's so weird, right? And so, like, there are some backgrounds that, that will just turn you off, and they say, well, it's the Holy Ghost, you know? And, oh, and some of you know what I'm talking about when I say it that way. And so I was turned off by all of it, but here's the big idea. My church in Bible college kept me on the straight and narrow. I went to a church that taught about the power of God, but, but we didn't have to check our brain at the door. And that is really my heart for you. You need to hear about God's spirit, but you don't have to check your brain at the door. We don't have to do holy aerobics. You don't have to go nuts in here. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he can do supernatural things, but it doesn't mean that we have to go crazy and nuts and be inside out. And all that stuff, by the way, turns the world off to our message. In fact, we're warned by the Apostle Paul not to do things like that. And so I learned that the Holy Spirit is central to my walk with God. It's the key to a vibrant Christian life. But I dedicated my ministry to being a place where people could learn about that vibrant Christian walk and not be turned off by the goofy stuff. Amen, somebody? 
If you're a Christian, you're called to a life with the Holy Spirit. And some of you are afraid when I talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe because you came from that background, maybe because you visited a church and it was like, what's happening? And you've seen things, maybe you spent any amount of time on YouTube and you've watched some of the crazy, I guarantee you that's probably my Bible college, by the way, but like some of the crazy things that are out there and you're just like, you know what? I'm good. I, I'm good coming to New Chapel, got my coffee, I'll wave at Jesus now and again at worship, but like, I don't want to go crazy. I don't want you to be afraid of God. Because that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's God. And some of you are afraid of the emotionalism. Don't be afraid of that. If people do things at New Chapel, even during worship, that's distracting, they'll get a gentle nudge from, a, from an usher be like, hey, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. If you've ever wondered why we dim the lights during worship, the idea is that you can be before God without feeling like you're on a stage. So you can just focus on him. That's the reason why we do it. We want you to grow in your relationship. Some of you are in here and you just don't know. As I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, you're like, He's not a bird? You know, like, I get it. And, and some of you have misinformation, which can be just as dangerous as the emotionalism that we talked about. As your pastor, I want to bring to you the Christianity that you read about in the Bible. I think it's important that you know God, all of God, and that you sink into it, because the ministry of the Holy Spirit involves his giftedness and his power and his heart to speak to you today. Say amen, somebody. Now, I can make a, a guarantee. It won't be crazy. You won't have to put all reason aside. You won't have to turn your mind off. And when you have partnership with God's Spirit, it'll give you breakthrough even today. A couple thoughts about it. Write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. Not the force. It's, it's not like that at all. In fact, when we say spirit, we think of, oh, the American spirit. Or we say, you know, somebody's really excited. We say, well, he's a very spirited person. And it gives us the wrong idea about who he is. In fact, there's even some translations of the Bible that I love, but it gives you the wrong idea about God. In the King James, it says this in Romans 8, that the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, that's the scripture that we would stop at at the church I grew up at, but like the Spirit itself. So think about last week, Kaya preached. She did a bang-up job. It's just amazing. And just ama yeah, why not, right? It's just great. Imagine if, if Kaya was like, hey, I'm preaching this week, but next week, Pastor Joe itself will be preaching. I've been called a lot of things. But that'd be weird, right? And so there's some translations of the Bible that will turn you off. It's not what it says. It doesn't say itself in the original translations and, and in the original languages of the Bible. But those, those translations can throw us off. And that fact, plus the fact that you don't see God, there's no physical body that you can look at, it makes us think that he's some sort of nebulous force. There's no personality to it, and it couldn't be further from the truth. He is the third person of the Trinity, in Genesis, you'll begin to see that revelation of a triune God. Genesis 1.26. God said, let us, us, us make human beings in our image. Us in our, for those that like a little extra homework, it's the Hebrew word Elohim, and it is plural. God is saying, let us make man in our image. He is taking a three-part God and making a three-part being man. You know your three parts. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are three parts. God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The soul of God is the Father. The body of God is Jesus. And the spirit, the life of God 
is his Holy Spirit. Uh, In Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. What is this telling me? If you read on, you see the chaos of the world, but the one who brings order is the Holy Spirit. He's not the one that brings confusion. He's not the one that makes people be like, what kind of church do I go to? He's the one that created the incredible design of this world. Darkness and chaos and confusion and purposelessness, none of it is about the Holy Spirit. Who shows up to bring the order? Holy Ghost. That's the one, the the part of the Godhead that comes and brings the order. That's why when chaotic church services happen, it brings so much dishonor to the name of God. I want to show you just some facts about this. Maybe you want to take a picture of this with your phone, but about the Holy Spirit. He has a mind. Romans talks about that. He has a will. The Holy Spirit wants to get some things done. 1 Corinthians 12 in detail. He has emotions such as love and joy. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that he comforts us. Acts 9 says that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit speaks your God speaks. There's a whole. Me- In fact, somebody should ask that the next time we poll you about God speaking today. Paul berates other religions, and how does he do it? He says, these dumb idols, dumb meaning they can't talk. Our God speaks. He speaks clearly, 1 Timothy 4. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He can feel sorrow. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He can be insulted. In fact, a lot of churches do that today. He can be resisted, and he can be lied to. New Chapel... These describe a person, a personality, the third person of God's trinity. He has a distinct and unique personality. Amen, somebody? Uh, Next thing, write this down. The Holy Spirit, you need to know this. He's the only member of the Godhead working on earth today. Now, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, but the Holy Spirit's the one that, he's like the USPS, except that he's effective. He's (laughs) Anybody else just laugh when they send out the, the leader of the post office guy sweating? Look, we got to raise this by another nickel. I don't know what we're going to do. It's all falling apart. You know, it's, Holy Spirit's not like that. He, he gets, <laughs> that's funny, I don't care who you are. He gets, <laughs> he gets the letter to heaven every single time. And, and he is the member of Godhead, the, the third person of the Trinity, right? He's the one working on earth today. The Bible talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I could preach a whole series just on that. But it's very interesting in this passage. It actually details how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do their part. Let me read it for you. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says that there's different ministries, but the same Lord. Everybody say, same Lord? Same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God. Everybody say, same God. It's talking about the Father. uh, Activates each gift in each person, a demonstration of the Spirit. Everybody say, the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. You see here these three different components, and they all have a different function in the delivery system of God's giftedness in your life. Think of the Trinity like, like a construction crew. They're constructing a building. God is like the architect. He's putting together the master plan of what everything needs to happen. He's the soul of the Godhead. And then you have the Son. He's like the foreman. 
he's coming in, he's laying out the plans, and he's like, look, you guys have never met an architect before, you probably never will, but I'm going to tell you exactly how to build this thing. He's showing all the different schematics, exactly where things are going to be, make sure you don't put a light switch in where they just wanted a high-level outlet, I mean, all kinds of things like that. And then you have the Holy Spirit. Who's he? He's like the work crew. He's on the ground. He's the one building all of the structure. It's different. It's different functions, but it's all God. Does that make sense, everybody? The idea for the work comes from the Father. The communication for the work comes from Jesus. The Bible says that he's the Word, but it is the production that comes by the Holy Ghost. Write it down. The Father wills things. God has a will. The Son declares things. Write this down. And the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He's the one that makes things happen. That was my frustration going to a church and they're talking about you need to live right and act right and live moral and they're giving all the do's and don'ts and they're talking about this robust life, but I had no power to do it. I had no ability within me to make it happen. I'm thinking, look, I'm going to accept Christ because I don't want to go to hell. I don't know if I'm ever going to figure this Christianity thing out. I've messed up before. I think I'm going to mess up again. There was no power within me. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So do you. Your favorite miracles in the Bible were worked out by God's Spirit. When, when the, the Red Sea was parted, that was the Holy Spirit doing that. When David defeated Goliath, that was the Holy Spirit directing those smooth stones. When Samson rose to strength, that was the Holy Spirit on his life. When manna showed up in the desert to feed the children of Israel, it was the Spirit of God that delivered fresh pastries from heaven. I mean, what text, like, oh, I don't know if God's going to come through, and pastries are showing up, delicate pastries, delicious. You're like, well, I'm kind of sick of eating all these carbs. All of a sudden, plop, quail falls out of the sky. Quail. Why don't we eat this quail? You know, I mean, like, that's the Holy Spirit with provision. Every miracle you can think of, it's not Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit. And God always associates power with the Holy Spirit. What does it say in Acts 1.8? You, you Christian, you follower of Christ, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, this is important because we even say it this way, and wrongly so. Other churches say it. They'll say, well, are you a Spirit-filled church? Here's the reality. Every Christian church where people are born again, they are Spirit-filled because the Holy Spirit lives in them. The difference is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're immersed in the Spirit of God. Another word would be baptized in the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God is on you, that's where the power comes from. You can be born again and still be a wuss. But if you are baptized with God's Spirit, you have power that's in you. That word there, power, in the Greek, and I don't like going to the Greek terribly often just because I don't want it to go over people's heads, but I want you to see it. It's the word dunamis. It's where we actually get the word dynamo, dynamite from. It's an inherent ability, capability, strength, a might, a miraculous might. Power, dunamis, strength, inherent ability, capability, might will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. Do you see that? Uh, You're not seeing it yet. God doesn't want you to be a wuss. Well, I'm just quiet natured, and I just don't like to stir things up. Okay, let me be clear. God wants you to stir things up. 
When, when Christians came into a certain region that had not been evangelized, the leaders came together and said, oh my gosh, these that have turned the world upside down have come here too. And they think it's upside down. In reality, the Holy Spirit through Jesus' ministry is turning it right side up, but that's you. You're not here to just come to church and get your card punched, get some delicious coffee, which, by the way, I apologize for how awful the coffee's been. That's why we went back to roasters, and it's tasted good the last two weeks in Jesus' name. But I'd, we needed some power. And, uh, but the idea being, you need to be a Christian that turns the world upside down. How am I going to turn the whole world upside Not the whole world, your world. The people you knew, your family, your job, your workplace, your school. You're talking about what God's done in your life. That's, that's what I'm trying to convey. Amen, somebody? Write it down. In a couple of words, the Holy Spirit gives us power. You felt God's call to do great things, and when you've fallen short, the frustration that you feel is because you're not tapping into that. You want to be free, tap into God's power for your life. And it's the thing that enabled Jesus to do his miracles. Let me show it to you just out of Luke. Two examples, Luke 6. The people tried to touch Jesus because power, dunamis, was coming from him and healing everybody. Luke 8, Jesus said, hey, somebody touch me. I know that power, dunamis, has gone out from me. You see that even when Jesus was here, the miracles weren't just because he's Jesus. The miracles were because he had the Holy Spirit releasing God's power out of him. That's the function of it all. Wow. Jesus' ministry was a Holy Spirit ministry. He flowed in that strength. He declared it. He spoke it. He touched people. He prayed it. He played out the will of the Father, yet it was the Holy Spirit who actually did it, who made it happen. He's the one that drove out leprosy. He's the one that healed blind eyes. He's the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm preaching way better than y'all are letting on this morning. I'm just saying it was the Holy Spirit. It was God's power. You say, well, Pastor Joe, that's good. What in the world does all this mean? Very fair question. Especially if you come from a traditional background, because this is part of our heritage. On the day of Pentecost, that's the day where the Holy Spirit was given to the church, amazed and perplexed, both, they asked one another, what's going on? <laughs> what does this mean? So you've surely, if you've been coming to New Chapel for any amount of time, you're like, God's moving. I don't know. I think that lady got healed of cancer. Like, what? Because every time we mention it in a song, she starts wailing. I don't, like Magic Mike saved, and he got baptized, and like he's here. Okay? Like, God, you don't talk about everybody? It's amazing. You're like, I don't get it. Exactly. Look at me. You're exactly where I was. And I would even venture a guess and say that you would be turned off by some of the weird stuff that I saw. But when you see the real thing, I think that's the reason why you're still here. I think that's why you keep, tra- like, I don't understand it. I'm amazed, but I'm also kind of perplexed. I haven't figured this whole thing out. And the idea isn't that you figure it out. It's that you, uh, it's not a figuring out to understand. It's a knowing. It's knowing him. It's knowing his character. It's knowing how he is, how he wants to communicate things to you, his kids. So it's okay if you're in here and you're like, that's awesome. Don't get it. The question stands, what does this all mean? A couple of thoughts, and then I want to end with something I think is going to unlock a lot for us today. First thought, write it down. You need to know that the Holy Spirit empowers you to live righteously. 
so that those areas where you failed and fallen short, where you fall into your pet sin or insecurity or messed up or lost your temper, those areas where you're like, man, God wants to help you, but it, it is definitely through his word. But his word is not an intellectual experience. The Bible's the only book that when you read it, it reads you. But when you, when you engage it with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where things are going to come awake and alive to you. Now, I do want to say this. Some people say, well, all that Holy Spirit stuff, Pastor Joe, that, that was in the early church only. And they're basing that off from one passage. And by the way, these people would tell you in other messages that you don't do that. You don't build doctrines off from one passage. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every precept be established. But they'll say that when the perfect is come, that all tongues shall cease, that all gifts shall cease, that the power of God, that was really just to establish things until we could get the Bible. The problem is it doesn't say that. And, and it does say, when the perfect comes, all tongues will cease. And then in, in a passage later, it literally says, and when he comes, speaking about Jesus. So yeah, when Jesus returns, you're not going to have to speak in code to Jesus because he's right there, right? There's no like military ops any longer. He's right there. But they say that to mean all of those gifts were really early church gifts just for the apostles. Of course, you'll read about more than 12 apostles. You'll also read about more than just the gifts being operational within the apostles. you read about them being active in men and in women. And, and specifically, and I think this is massive, it's in the Bible for a reason. In Acts 2, Peter's preaching, he says, in the last days... How many of y'all know, like, we're there. You're on the porch, okay? We're not in the house yet. You're on the porch. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on everybody, sons and daughters. What? Males and females. They're going to prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. In other words, just like at New Chapel where you look around and there's equal amounts of every age demographic in one church, it's a, it's a reuniting of the generations. It's old and young coming together. It's, it's our kids. We don't have to make the discernment between us having the power of God, which a lot of churches did. They'd, they'd come in here and have a wild old time, but their kids hated it. Your kids love it here. They're enamored with it here. And so what God is saying, hey, in the last days, I'm pouring out my spirit like like even more than I have before. So this Holy Spirit stuff didn't end at the early church age. It's always been happening, albeit sometimes in pockets because of mainline tradition. But God's Spirit's always been moving. And in the last days, it's going to be amplified. And in Romans 8, if you want to talk about being empowered to live righteously, your kids have it, you have it. But you, the Bible says in Romans 8, you're controlled not by the sinful nature. Like when you accept Christ, the old you dies. You might still sin, but you're not sinning because you're actively seeking it. In fact, when you sin, here's how, here's how it, it's going to come to life to you. You hate when you do it. Even when you do it, you're like, ah, I did the thing again. I hate when I do the thing. You don't because it's not your nature. That's why I get so upset when churches get after sinners for sinning. They're sinners. What are they going to do? They're going to sin. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be living that way. Don't lead with that. That's what we tell you. Now that you're saved, hey, there's a better way. You can learn some of the truth, and the Holy Spirit will help you. Don't get after the world for being sinners. They're all a bunch of rank, crazy backwards, just like you were. So before you're controlled by the sinful nature, but the Spirit of God lives in you, and so you're not controlled that way any longer. You're not controlled by that sinful nature. God's Spirit, you want to do the right thing. 
Even when you mess up, even when you violate your own conscience, even when you're doing it in the whole time, you don't even have the satisfaction of sinning like you used to, you know because God's spirit is in you. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? It's, it's a huge deal. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live, here it is, supernaturally. Supernaturally. Acts 2. I'm going to show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below. What's a wonder, Pastor Joe? Here's what it is. You know it's a wonder if when it happens, people are like, I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> I wonder, what, wonder what's going on at that church. You hear me? Signs and wonders. To live supernaturally, you're like, okay, this is where you lose me. I'm, I'm okay singing Rock of Ages and going back to my old dead church. Okay, You're not. You are not called into an intellectual faith. You are not called into a religious system of do's and don'ts. You are not called into the sacraments and orders of, of intellectualism. You are called to a supernatural relationship with a living and resurrected Jesus. Amen, somebody? He is because, because God uses things you wouldn't. Well, he says, your ways are not my ways. Like, he makes it very clear, and, and it's true. I wouldn't have chose a heavenly prayer language if I were God. Like, now, I said all the wisdom prayer meeting be like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Cut that out of the podcast. But, but uh, his ways aren't our ways, and he calls you to a supernatural faith, supernatural. Supernatural, meaning God can do things that you can't do in the natural and it's not just, well, I was able to pull together my family and live right. That's awesome. He gives you the power to live righteously. That is change you. But he then gives you the power to change circumstances, to change the world, to change things out there that you don't really have control over, but God has control over. And so through his spirit, he can direct prayer through God's spirit. He can bring his word to pass in your life. And you can see these great and precious promises materialize. Wow, a supernatural faith. And we need it more than ever before. The world is jacked. I would rather, I can't say that, church. Okay. We homeschool for a reason. At great expense of time and energy. When I could be enjoying time with my wife a little bit more. So then we got to talk about the alphabet again. You know, like. And the reason is, is because we need the supernatural. In this world, they're operating in the supernatural. It's just in the negative. The word is, well, they're just trying to groom our kids. No, that's spiritual. It's pagan. It's a sacrament of a faith. How come I can't lift off this? The world is in utter decay. And I like excellent church. I like our excellent music. Our worship team is so sharp. I love how we have bougie, bougie coffee from roasters. I love that we have excellent programming for your kids, but listen to me. Don't ever think that we built that off from this. We built it off from God's power, off from his spirit. I am a nobody. I came from nothing. I have nobody behind me saying, trust this guy. I am a person who fell in love with God in his spirit through his word. And that is the backbone of his church. And you know what the world wants? They want what's real. 
They don't just want excellence. In fact, the younger generation, they're craving what's real. They've tried augmented reality in their stupid phones. They've tried it uh, uh, living under lockdowns. They've tried to have any connectivity. And now I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Mark my words. I said this in 2020. I'm going to say it again. You are going to see in the next several years, in the next decade, both a Woodstock culture happen and full-on Jesus revolution happen in the church. It's, both are going to happen. Both. And it's our time to give them the real thing. And it is not, it is not, it is not our religiosity. We are going to have to bend some things. Let me tell you another thing. Why am I talking about this? i got to get through these notes. In this next revival that's going to happen, every revival that's ever happened, every great move of God, it's been mind-blowing. It's blown the minds of the current church. But the churches that catch on to it and are willing to roll with it, they're the ones that outlast the revival and, and are able to use the revival. Now listen, here's where I'm going. Can you handle if God does a creative miracle at an altar? Well, of course. What if he does it on somebody who thinks they're transgender and reverses some of that awful surgery in a creative miracle? What if that person gets on to preaching the gospel? Are you cool enough to be able to go along with that? See, some people, they were expecting him to come as some political ruler, Jesus, to come in and, and set everything. Aren't you going to be king now? And what he did was he flipped the world upside down in ways they never expected. Now, I'm not saying we'll do anything out of line, but I'm saying you're going to have to open your mind to the great and powerful things that God wants to do. God has called you to a supernatural faith. Amen, somebody? Wow. 1 Corinthians 2. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Now, Paul gave some, some wise and persuasive arguments, but at this church, he didn't. He came and he showed God's power only because he knew if I win you over with my incredible cerebral strength, you're going to think that this is all intellectual, and it's not. And we can't just rest on all my little checkpoints and notes, and we're all filling out a little note. Listen, you need God's spirit active. It's a demonstration of God's power. Amen, somebody? Got to move on. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowers me to fulfill his mission. God has a mission he wants to accomplish through you. And the move of the Holy Spirit is not weird. It is not tambourines and snake handling, swinging from the chandeliers or the laughing academy. You know, I've been to that church where they're all just looking at you. <laughs> like I start laughing, but not for the reason they think. And that's not, that's not what this is about. What is it about? It's about 3,000 people accepting Christ on the day of Pentecost. You know, the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, the founding of the church. They're filled and they're speaking with heavenly prayer language and, and they're speaking in a supernatural way, other people's languages they didn't even know. Gifts of the Spirit are popping up all over Jerusalem. It is blowing them away. But check this. Nobody gets saved until somebody stands up and preaches. You want a real move of the Spirit? We have to make the discernment for a refreshing in church. What I'm trying to say is that's a move of God's Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Now, the Apostle Paul on the day of Pentecost, this is when the Holy Spirit was given to the whole church, he stood up and he preached. Previously, in the Old Testament, there were a couple of prophets that might have the Holy Spirit, and it could be taken from them. 
In fact, David even prays, oh, God, don't take your Holy Spirit. God gives his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost never to take it back from us. Wow. Peter stands up and he preaches, and he says this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. If you came from a denominational background, sink into this. It's for you and your children and for all who are far off. Uh, I'm still unclear. Is this for everybody? For all whom the Lord our God will call. It is one thing if people have different beliefs and they they struggle with it. But I buck quite a bit. You don't want to fight me on this because I'll show you in the word a thousand different ways. It is blasphemy to say that God's spirit is not active on earth today, moving and speaking, setting people free and healing bodies. It's for all who the Lord will call all of them, who the Lord will call, the people that are getting saved. And it's for all of them. What? The Holy Spirit, the power of God's Spirit. So if you're not saved in the room, today's your day. You need to get saved. But if you're saved and you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, don't leave today without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Everything about Jesus was in order. Even when he cleared out the money changers, even when he kicked over tables, he was in order. And everything about his life is very powerful, but it's also very symbolic. Like his crucifixion represents the fact that we need the Savior, right? It's so that we can know God. His burial is very symbolic of the fact that once we accept Christ, we need to find freedom and bury some old things. His resurrection is very symbolic of us finding purpose, that ascent, that lift that we receive in our hearts towards God's great purpose. But then... The Holy Spirit that is given on the day of Pentecost, it is very representative of God filling us so that we can make a difference. Acts 1.8. But you, Christian, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. The whole idea is you receive this power, but it's not just so you're just a little generator plant. No, you, you receive this power to give out God's give goodness and give his goodness away and give his blessing away and to be a witness for him. We want to see people set free. What are you saying, Pastor Joe? Here's the big idea. Open your life to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm asking you to do today. You might not understand it all, but I want you to open your heart to all of God that you can get. One last thing, and I want to pray for us. It's a Bible story out of John 14. Jesus is giving last words, and he's talking about how he's going to be leaving and ascending into heaven. He's talking about this, and we read over it because we're like, yeah, you know, Jesus, he's going to go to heaven. It's all going to be cool. But when, when the apostles heard this, it did not sit well with them at all. In fact, it blew their minds away. They're listening to this, and they're thinking that, no, Jesus, you're going to be here, you're going to stay here, and you're going to be a king with no end, and they freaked out on him. This is what it says in John 14. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you, and check this, here it is, forever, another counselor. That word another in the Bible's original language is, what does it mean? Another of the same kind. 
Jesus is saying, if you love me, if you love the great works we did, remember all that awesome stuff we did? Hey, remember that revival? Remember that kid that came up with Long John Silvers? He had some loaves and fishes, and we fed 5,000 families. With. Remember all that great stuff? They're like, yeah, that was awesome. He's like, look, I'm going to heaven. They're like, no, no, don't stop the party. He's like, but I'm going to send you another. He's just like me. If you love me, if you're cool with Jesus, you're going to love the Holy Spirit. It's not weird. It's not like, what? Oh, this is a weird. I'm cool with Jesus, but this is, this is too far. No, no, It's just like him. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of Jesus that you'll be engaging with. Same character, same nature. For some of you, that sets you free. That gives you permission because you thought of this as another weird thing. This is God. It's the heart of our God. Jesus must have been right to do this, of course. Because when he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, Christianity, or called the way at that time, goes from a niche cult within Judaism to spreading all over the world. The actions of the apostles that you read about in the epistles and in the Acts, they are night and day from the apostles that you read about in the Gospels who were weak and backbiting and undercutting and shallow. They were empowered by God. The Holy Spirit had a relationship with his church. And the church had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it was just as good of a Jesus for the early church as it was when they had Jesus in the flesh. When I was young and first rededicated my life, I boy, you're old, Blaine. I remember thinking, man, if I could just talk with Jesus... Like, I love the Bible, 10 out of 10. Great job. You're a great author, you know? But, like, if I could just sit down, I've got some things I want to ask him. Anybody else, you want to shame the devil, tell the truth? You just wish you could talk to him for a second. Like, just, can we talk? But the reality is, if Jesus never would have left and went to heaven, if he was still here on earth and we had to wait in line to talk to him, because everybody, even people that weren't really sure about him, they would want to wait in line and talk to him. Your life would begin and end before you ever had the opportunity to have your number called to talk to Jesus face to face. And so he does one better. He says, I'm going up into the heaven, but instead of me being in one location, everybody's got to come to me, just hear Jesus right here. I'm taking this thing and I'm breaking it up into pieces and I'm putting me in all of you. Well, now what's better? Because there are little pastors, little Oriental guy in an underground church in China that woke up today and he prayed to God and heard God speak in his language. There are people in Pakistan who woke up without a roof over their heads. They, they learned in their Bible what they were going to preach. Say, God, what do you, and they heard from God's spirit that day. There's people who are fighting against the culture that says that God is an old relic in Europe. And, and they woke up and they're preaching the gospel in Italy and in France and in England. There are people in the United States today that are empowered by God's spirit. And all of their churches are empowered by God's spirit. It's not just for the men of God. It's for the Christian. And so what's better, one Jesus in one spot or the spirit of Jesus in all of us? I'd say it's God's spirit in all of us. Amen, somebody? John 14, the Bible says he is the spirit of truth. He's not going to confuse you. He's not going to lead you astray. And can I say, if you have been confused in Holy Spirit services, it wasn't God. God didn't try to confuse you. He's trying to lead you into peace. 
The Spirit's presence, write it down, is never confusing. It's never disturbing. Write it down. Understand it. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Just like him. Wow. Now, I just opened a whole whole bag of worms on you. I want to help. I'm a pastor, so answering these onesie-twosie questions has been quite a thing. And next week, we're going to be talking about miracles. And so some of you have wondered about miracles and God's creative power. I'm going to talk about that. I can't bleed over the message on Holy Spirit until next week. And so I have two resources I need to get in your hands. Number one, maybe take a screenshot of this, is newchapel.com slash Holy Spirit. That is a website that we created. It has four messages that you can listen to. If you're in here and you're like, okay, I can't argue necessarily with anything that Pastor Joe said. I just still don't want it because I'm from my background and I'm me and he's him and we're cool. But like, this is God you're talking about. So if you're still wrestling with this, don't ignore it and just come back and be like, tell me about the miracles. You wrestle this down. God's dealing with you on this. He's all over some people in the room. Newchapel.com slash Holy Spirit. Watch these messages. And if you have any questions, A, I'd be surprised. But B, we'd be happy to answer them. Second thing, we are offering a summer session of New Chapel Grow. Now, New Chapel Grow, if you don't know what that is, if you're a new believer or maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you just want to know more about your faith, we take the time to explain things to you. And so, New Chapel Grow is going to be happening different than we've ever done it before. It's going to be happening at 1 o'clock in the afternoon after church lets out. We'll watch your kids back in New Kids. We'll give you something to eat. There'll be a different lunch. It's not going to be <laughs> Little Caesars every week, but I can't rule out at least one week being Little Caesars. But um, <laughs> we're a church. We have to. It's in the law. Um, at 1 o'clock, so what would happen is you'd, you'd attend second service, or maybe you're serving second service, but then you'd zip back. At 1 o'clock, we're going to have New Chapel grow. It takes about an hour for each session, and it's going to run June 4th through August 6th, about 10 weeks. We're going to take certain weeks off because you're not going to show up. Or, or you're going to be, uh, like, for instance, we're having a big event on Independence Day weekend, but we're not going to have New Chapel grow that day. And so you need to sign up and let me know that you're coming, though. Here's what I would say. Ask somebody else who's done it, and they will tell you, you got to do it. It might seem like, oh, I don't know about it. Once you get into it, so many things that you've had questions about for eons get answered in a very easy way, and it's in a very concise uh, presentation of, of not just the gospel, but the Bible in a way that you can understand it. It's not Bible school. I put the cookies on the bottom shelf so even people from the North Country like me can understand what's going on. It's my love letter to you. It's, it's what I wish somebody would have told me. And so sign up for that. In that, they will talk in a deeper level about the Holy Spirit. You can experience all of God that you can get. Jesus said this in John 14. I will ask of the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. God did not leave you alone. His power is available to you. He left you with recourse to fight the battles of this world. And it is found in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church right now. God, I know that people are weighing the traditions that they grew up with. 
weighing questions of trust with a word they know has never gone goofy and with the word of God, which is timeless. God, I pray that you would show people areas of religion, maybe just where you're at, Christian, under your breath, silently maybe. Maybe you want to pray, God, I want all of you that I can get. I want to give just a moment for that between you and God. God, we want all of you that we can get. God, I pray that they'd be bold enough to take next steps, honor you in a relationship with your spirit in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for one more minute. If you came in here and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, that's step one. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved means, yeah, you go to heaven, but it also means that abundant, victorious life that Jesus died to pay for, it can rush into your existence today. It's as simple as making him Lord. We're going to pray, and if you mean it, the Bible says that you'll be saved. Church, I want you to pray this with those people. Let's all pray it out loud. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Proud of you. We bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week, guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.